Hello and welcome to the Hooniverse podcast, friends. I'm your host, Jeff Glucker, and I'm not joined by my rather delightful co-host, Blake ZJ Wrong. If you have to ask what a ZJ is, you can't afford it. Mr. Wrong is currently stuck deep within the hellish Vegas confines of CES, though I don't feel bad for him because he's probably staying in some fucking ridiculous hotel. Uh, we're joined by a friend of Hooniverse, member of the Smoking Tire, and producer of this podcast, Zach Clapman. Yay. Hello. And then this evening, our guest is Travis Langness. Hello. Associate editor for Edmunds.com, an Acura Integra owner, and a person with whom I consumed alcohol with in Vegas during SEMA. Much. How's it going, Travis? Thanks for joining us. It's going us. great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you brought some beer, which is a good sign of a good guest. It's a good start. You know, come empty What did you handy. bring us? Sam Adams Winter Lager. Perfect. You you because it's you, as close to winter as is humanly possible in California. I, yeah, it's a, it's a grand true. total of sixty five degrees out this. But week. also that's a that's a it's almost sucking up to the host because I'm from Boston, so I have an irrational like for Sam Adams. And say love, but I said like mm. strong like. We, we, she, they checked the box for yes when I sent them the note in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> but enough about the beer. Uh, let's get this party started the way we always do with. Fucking cocaine. No, I'm, excuse me. I don't know. Wrong party. Wrong party. <laughs> Beats. Um, no, new cars. We're talking about new cars. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the kind of amazing reveal of what Corvette can now offer its owners. The video data recorder, Cosworth designed video data recorder. It's like GoPro, GoPro, GoPro. Oh my God, <laughs> we have to make something called GoPro now. The GoPro for your truck. My, anybody listening, that's a new hashtag. Send in tweets, whatever. We have to think of funny shit about GoPro. But it's like GoPro meets VBox. It's a data recorder with video. How fucking mm. awesome is that? As, as soon as I get back to the office tomorrow, I just watched the video with you guys. I'm going to go and actually see if our Corvette's got that hidden away. I know, and unlock some about. potential. Yeah, oh, um, looks so cool. It basically takes all the work out of all you know the nine things you have to do when right. you record three different GoPros on your car at the track, or that anyone wants to put together when they do a track video. And oh, look how fast we're going! And oh, wait, it's already done. It's it's amazing, and it does GPS, so it it will outline the track, so it, it will you can see your lap times, and it's all off an SD card in the glove box, which is so easy. This is brilliant. This is a brilliant system. I think it's really good for people that drive tracks a lot. Like, I think the filming thing, uh, I, I'll argue that it would only give you one angle. So right. So then, like, I mean, and everyone uploads that anyway, but it'd be like, that's kind of a dry video. But, like, it'll Musto, be a good addition to a video. Yeah, yeah it would be. It, you could switch the heads up, you could switch to that view. But for someone, if you run tracks all the time, like, Musto runs Lagoon, like, every month, figure out where you're slowing down, where you're speeding up, yeah. like, you, you know, know, all that stuff. You know where I'd use it, and I would never publish the video? My favorite, Canyon Roads. Especially because if it remembers the GPS-based data, so you'd be like, oh, this one time on that road, it took me nine minutes. Yeah, there's always that guy. one time, it took me ten minutes. Jeff, you're missing one of the really cool features of it is that on that, you can actually actually mark where the beginning of your track is. there we go. So you can time it perfectly every single time. I I would just do this for runs to Vegas. How how much – I'm going to need a 64-gig SD card. And we're gonna. I mean, all of this saying, the stuff I'm saying, I would never ever do. You could use it for because it's runs. highly illegal. Yeah, of course. Ooh, you, you could because everyone way. questions everyone's records when they do right. the cannonball, and you'd be like, GM approved GPS. I put two thirty gallon fuel tanks in the back of my C7 and drove across the country <laughs> exactly. in twenty six hours. Actually, the hatchback. Yeah. So just if like, I had <laughs> if I had this thing for a week, I would be such an idiot. I would be timing. I would. Go make coffee runs at the same time every day in the morning to see how – seven minutes, 
15 minutes, eight minutes, you know, just to see how I nailed corners. I got 1.1 G on the turn on the parking lot on the way in. How quick can you return those divorce papers, Jeff? Right. <laughs> uh, slowly, because it'd be sad. Because it'd be, <laughs> You'd be like, honey, I, I did it in 6 minutes, 57 seconds. Get the fuck out of this house. <laughs> this is the saddest record in the and world. And then GM would say, give me those goddamn you keys online back. Journalist you journalist vagina. And, and the only problem with this is, though, that you're going to want to do all these things in the Corvette and nobody else is going to be able to do them for how long now? Um, they, they, don't, they don't know specifically. So the system, what you're talking about are the exclusive rights because the system wasn't created by Chevrolet. Yeah. It was designed by Cosworth. And anytime you say those words, you're in for something special be it an engine or this vid- video data recorder. So the the rumor is maybe two years. And then after that, they're going to be able to sell it as an aftermarket kit for existing cars. And then it, who knows, it could find its way into a plethora of other cars. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if all the other car makers, I mean, everybody from Audi to Pagani are watching this yeah. and going like, oh, we need this in our car. But here's the mm-hmm. question, though. Fuck how, many, how many of those... Those ultra cars, hyper cars, super cars, how many of the people that buy those are going to care about track times? The, the, the Miata the hyper cars? I know. Exactly. That's the who's Miata people. Care about it the most. Every right. YouTube video you see is Boosted Civic destroys hyper car. <laughs> those are the guys that are going to care about it, right? World like, Star hip hop. Or Corvette's got a, a broad enough market to, and a lot of track dudes, but yeah, I think you're right. Hyper cars, they don't, they don't track them as well. Well, that's why it'll be nice that they will offer it. Offer it as an aftermarket yeah, exactly. option because you're right. That is who's going to buy it. Well, it's Miata owners, 350Z owners, uh, Mustang owners, people like yeah. that. It'll be an eighteen. It'll probably be like an eighteen hundred dollar option in the vet. It'll be an eighteen thousand dollar option in the nine eleven. But if yeah, you tell well, them it's made well, of carbon well, ceramic, it'll be everyone will get it. Yeah, it'll be a car- carbon ceramic GoPro camera. Yeah, yeah. it'll be an Alcantara Ooh. GoPro three <laughs> plus PK that you can't see. S. Ever. My, my wife needs the carbon ceramic brakes on, on the Cayenne. She does. She does. It's diesel, but carbon ceramic. I once I once asked an Aston Martin rep if it would be possible to get a car if if they offered. I think it was a V12 Vantage. Um, actually, no. I'm sorry. It was a Repeat without the carbon ceramic brakes. And they looked at me like I was crazy. But you look like an asshole every time you pull up to a stoplight and everybody's looking around. Like, <laughs> yeah. My, and you're just a you cringe because you everybody already 35 hates you because you're in that car and then they think yeah. you can't afford to get your brakes fixed that's yeah. true so but that's a stupid digression and that doesn't happen very often in my life um, <laughs> so I think we all can say that we are very excited to see this yeah. video data recorder thing and I hope they update the system so they can do like you were talking about multiple angles because that would be what cool. the best thing you want is to be able to see you know maybe like a bird's eye or if it, if a, it know, can rear talk to side view cameras you know? then you're or yeah, I'm already yeah if it, that's true if it could talk to other GoPros if they team up with GoPro to make that happen so but I'm already thinking of places where they could factory mount small yeah. lipstick cameras I've got a, and, I've got a I got a theory on this we've all seen the the C6R video that they did where they actually used it and they could actually track cars that were coming up behind you if you got the closing speed. Yeah. Oh, man. That's if so you've cool. got that's the so front cool. view that's camera. video, by the way. Yeah, right. continue. Is it really? Yep. Oh, nice. If you've, got the front, if you've got the front camera with radar sensors, you've got the rear camera for backup with backup sensors, now you can do that in a consumer application if you just write the software. Yeah. I think they're going to do that on the Z06. Why not? I mean, you can sync the cameras yourself. I It'll may just be a have just gotten that heads up display over. I don't mean to angle. make this awkward, but I may have just gotten a slight semi because mm-hmm. that sounds amazing. Had one since you walked in, Jeff. Thanks, man. Um, let's move on though because I can't bring this six to a nine. Um, 
in different new car news, the Chrysler 200 leaked early today. Well, for you listening, it'll be yesterday. Uh, and I'm shocked to say this. The fucking thing actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a slightly more stylish Dodge Dart. And the Dodge Dart's a good-looking car. It's not a, it's not a good car, but it's a good-looking car. Uh, and this Chrysler 200 looks better. And, I mean, throw some multi-air engines in there from Fiat and some 12-speed gearboxes, whatever the fuck they're working well, with now. It's, it's going to have a 300-horsepower V6, which is fine. It's all you need. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be lovely. What? It's Panastar is 275. It's so 295 horsepower. I don't think they're going to give that that car that engine. The 200, I don't it's think it's going to so be either. the 175 horsepower. But will the convertible will the convertible come out with it too? Well, you know, you think the now you've got the 200C and the the 200. So will are there going to be any leaked images of that? Is that going to come out at all? You know, they don't they don't say they have plans. You know how people that, get but. excited to render other yeah. trims and versions of cars. No one's getting excited to do that for this car. <laughs> no, no, no. You're forgetting the ballerest one of all, the Sebring, yes. based on the same chassis. What do you mean? Chrysler Sebring has always shared, shared a chassis with the 200. Well, no, they're the same fucking car. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, the 200 replaced the Sebring. Is it that they got rid of the Sebring? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sebring's gone. Same fucking Sebring car. went away for the 200. The 200, the, this current 200 is a reskinned Sebring. So it's a nicer looking Sebring. See, I thought that I figured they'd be doing a Sebring variant to this too. No, 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 no. Oh, good. No, 200 said adios to the Sebring. So, but it was a stopgap fix for the shit that was the Sebring. Now it's finally its own real car, and it it might be good. So it is better looking. The proportions, like the design of the Dart, I I feel like personally is a little too squashed. Like. Kind of those slim headlights and stuff, but when they stretch it out, it looks got that kind of like long window mean, line gets mean better, look. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think it suits it, the, the design language better, it suits this large car better. It's weird to think that we could potentially. I mean, I think we all get excited about new cars, no matter what spectrum they fall in, if they're interesting. You know, from the three-cylinder Fiesta, which I love, up to the 918 Porsche. In there, we can find something interesting about a whole range of cars. And it, it's weird to say that I'm now intrigued to see what's in store after seeing it, the new Chrysler 200. It feels gross. Well, if there's, if there's <laughs> something gross. that interests you, then there's something. I mean, if, if it looks better, like we're all drawn to bad cars that are good looking. Uh, I'm not yeah. saying this is a bad car. Yeah, I'm also drawn to good cars it that can are be, bad looking. Right. But I it love can be, that too. It, you, always, you just have to find something. So if it's good looking but bad, you'll still like it. And if it's good, but you know, the Gumpert is kind of yeah. crazy but ugly. Yeah. Except Chris loves it's it. It's just weird and unique. You know, we want to we want to see it. We want to, oh, I want to see and, and, you know, experience this car, even if it's going to be complete crap. Maybe if it just looks good, then that's that's enough to get some interest going on it's def- it. It'll definitely help. Yeah. Um, moving on to something more interesting, though. Uh, uh, the Camaro Z28 was finally priced, and it was priced at $75,000, which actually most people have been talking about the car that's exactly what they thought it would be priced at um what do you guys think is it worth it i will wait to tell you what i think after hearing Hmm. what you think because i think well here i'm the only one who's ridden in the car here's my i haven't okay okay so here's my recently biased perspective on this at edmunds our one of our newest long-term cars is the 600 horsepower slp camaro so it's 2014 it's it, it's insane. It's so much fun. It'll break the tires loose in any gear at any speed. And that was 
basically an SS that they took and tuned. You know, they put cams, exhaust, and a supercharger on it, and it's 600 horsepower. And with all of that, every piece of trim, all the you still get all the warranty with it. It's 68 and change. So they built a ZL1. Pretty much. Is it spent with suspension? Yeah, suspension. They put the Brembo brakes so, on so it. So it's probably stickier and firmer. It's than stickier. It's got Eagle okay. F1s on it. My cool. friend was behind me in the canyons the other day, and he was like, dude, I had to keep 20 cars of distance. You were just throwing rocks at me the whole time. And I was like, well, that's what <laughs> you get that. without mud flaps. Right. But basically, I, I look at that, and I go, okay, 68 grand for that. And then also, what is I think 72 is the running MSRP on a new Corvette. Those versus that's 75 for a Z28. Topped-out Corvette, though. Yeah, well, yeah, topped out Corvette, you know, with the the seven speed and the Z fifty one and and all the packages and everything on it, the technology package, all that good stuff. And that one's seventy two MSRP. So in six eight months, you know, it'll start to cruise down towards seventy. I just can't for the money. I can't it's a justify market. it. It, yeah. it is. It's 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 like, are you a domestic? Are you a patriotic GT three RS interested person? Yep. Because then this is cheaper, totally raw. And if it turns laps faster than than the Corvette, then there might be like like all right, it's real hardcore. Yeah. Maybe it's like a warranty, and it's like got these brakes and these all that stuff. But it is very niche. I think. I hope they didn't build a hundred thousand of them. They're like, man, he's gonna sell like hotcakes. No, cakes. there's no there's they no did. way they did. You no, know, no, it's it's it's, it's um, a limited. I think it's a limited two year run. I forget the number. Uh, I got to ride. So I got to ride shotgun in this car in October out at the Milford Proving Grounds, yeah. which is my first time there. It's actually a pretty amazing track, very technical, some crazy blind turns, which these drivers know because it's their job. And it, it was fucking sweet. When the, people, when they finally get to take in the full specs on this car, I think it's going to blow a lot of people away. The price doesn't scare me. It's a limited edition. Yes, you have to. Here's what's going to happen. Half the people are going to buy it and seal them away. We're never going to see them again until Barrett Jackson 20, whatever. And then the other half are going to take them to the track. And I really hope, and that's what GM wants. They said, we want, we know that some people are going to store these, but we really, really want them to take these to the track. Uh, there's such amazing components and thought that went into this car. You know, they obviously wanted to save weight uh, with, there's one speaker in it, and it's for the federal, federally mandated door chime. And you have an option for air conditioning an and option. six speakers. That's um, the one option you can have on the car, I think. The suspension is one of the things that blew me away the most. I can't remember the name of the company who designed it right now, but this is the first production car that uses the suspension from this company, with the minor exception of the Aston Martin 177. Hmm. Normally, this company designs suspension for F1 teams, including Red Bull, Uh and LM, LMP cars, Grand Touring cars, so like hardest of the hardcore race cars. It, they have this incre- this crazy damping system that will blow your mind, and the margin of error and the repeatability of their production is just unheard of in production car levels. The brakes are massive. It's the largest tires at all four corners. 305 square stance. Yes, 305 square No, No one's done that. Yeah. Um, I mean, people have had bigger out back, but I mean, it's not it's a probably going to rip. It's, dude. it's a and race then the, car. The, the it, t- it did a 739 in the rain at the Nurburgring. And if you watch the video, the driver is working his fucking ass yeah. off. The car is sideways, squirrely as shit. They said off the record. They, there's a gentleman's agreement with videos at the Nurburgring where you don't mention times unless it's on video. Like It has to be on video or it doesn't fucking count. 
But mm. the guy, we pulled the guy aside. He said, well, this car is, is 731. Maybe there's more time there too. So we're talking about a car that is faster than a 458 Italia around the Nurburgring. That's fucking insane. Cause it's, and I, let me, let me jump in here with this point. I fucking hate the Camaro. The, I like the ZL1 because it's stupidly fun. I liked one I drove years ago because it was a Hurst Camaro and it was supercharged, yeah. much like the SLP. You'd probably like the 1LE. I'm, I haven't driven that one. I really want to drive that one. Yeah. But this, I was, and I only got to ride shotgun. I was fucking blown away. And I don't like the Camaro at all. This thing is amazing. Amazing. When people, when journalists finally get their hands on it, I feel like they're they're going to be. They'll right love it, special. and they'll love it around tracks the same way right. you do. Mm-hmm. But who's going to buy it is the yeah, question. I think so it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th- I, think I we'll love sell that because I think there's enough crazy rich people who want American cars in their yeah. in their garage. But then those aren't the people who are going to track. Yeah, it. I love that whole concept. I love that they're building it for. Ten guys or a hundred guys. They also went nuts about the for, aerodynamics on it. When but, they talk uh, about airflow and the whole skid plate on I mean, the it's, bottom. It's a race car that you saw for the street. That's what totally. It's, and it's a great, I think there's it's a an argument. Thing. But, sorry, go ahead, Chris. I think there's an argument that can be made that guys that are really hardcore track hounds don't care what the brand is. They're looking for the most capable thing. And I think that that is probably going to be high on people's list because mechanically it's a relatively simple car with without a lot of shit to Maybe break. Maybe for the That's wealthy true. track hounds, but I think at some level some of the track hounds also develop a bit of brand loyalty. Well, here's, here's like a, a bit Miata of... A guy's a Miata guy, a Mustang guy's a Mustang guy. So I think there's that too. But I, I was talking to someone about this car that I found interesting, this, that this could be their, their track toy. So they, they might campaign a Ferrari 430 in a challenge series and then rip around in the Camaro for fun. Like that could be the guy. He has his his million dollar race car and then his his $75,000 amazing track rat. So there could be that guy too. Well, when you think of Z28s of old or even just Camaros of old, you think of that old theory of win on Sunday, sell on Monday. So it's the idea that, oh, look, a Camaro can actually be... Because I don't know how many people... I don't think I've met a guy, a single person that bought a Camaro, a new you know, SS or anything like that, and actually races it on the weekend, right. takes it up to Streets of Willow or Laguna Seca or whatever. But if they see that it's possible... Oh, we can strip 800 pounds of weight yeah. or however much it is out of the car and, you know, beef up the tires and maybe put a wide body on it. It's one of those things where like, hey, here's this benchmark Camaro that maybe the guys in the tuner market will start to mess with. Maybe sure. this will drive sales of just the SS or the RS or whatever no, it is. That's a great point. That's yeah, that's a, that's a very point. good point because, yeah, you're absolutely right because it's essentially the same car. Yeah. It's Look what we did. Yeah. Have fun. Hey, look, this looks the same. I'll right. go and put a carbon fiber hood on mine. Yeah, sell and, that you know. big-ass front splitter. And it's like yep. trickle-down imagery economics or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and conveniently, they sell that car in body on white, so you can do that. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Well, so it'll be interesting when that car finally gets in the hands of some folks. I'm, I'm curious to see what other people think. Blake is going to be the fastest person in <laughs> You know, it's funny. We got called out on Twitter because we haven't mentioned V-School in a while because, you know, Blake's been traveling. Um, so we unofficially just mentioned V-School, but we didn't really dive into it. Don't, well, worry, same don't worry, folks. G- GM engineer, so his skills should translate. Oh, there's no question they'll translate. It'll be amazing. I mean, I think they're going to send Did he him. run that ring time in the rain? No, I that think they're going to wait. They're going to let him run it dry. he's out of town. They're going to let him run it dry. I think he ran Blake's the wet. going in dry. <laughs> Let's move on to another list of cars that could be potential future classics. And it's funny looking at this list that the previous car isn't in there. So um, I, I came across a list written by Haggerty Insurance. And these these people know classic cars. There's no question about it. 
they deal with them. That's what they do. They 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 speculate on them. They insure them. They attend every event under the sun. They know classic cars. There's no question. And I have I. I would not say anything differently about that. However, they don't have the foresight to produce a fine program like American Detours. That that is excellent. Well said. But they have the foresight to advertise on it. Insurance. Well done, Chris. Yeah, see, that's, that's why, why I'm you, a producer. Yeah, very well done. But go watch American you, Detours how, how season two coming Haggerty's, out in spring. How's your confidence in them and their knowledge of old cars? I didn't quite get it. It's excellent. Oh, okay. but they just. But now it's shaken because they just came out with a list of ten future classics. So they pick ten cars that are being oh, okay. new cars that can't be worth more than a hundred thousand dollars, and I disagree with most of the. So list. is this them hedging their bets on how high the premiums could be for these cars in twenty <laughs> maybe, years? Maybe, okay. but I want right, to run through it. the list and we can you know talk about what yeah. we think. First up on the list, I almost feel like it's cheating because the MSRP for the car is ninety nine thousand. There's no way no one anyone's going to buy it for ninety nine thousand. The Jaguar F Type R Coupe. Yeah. No. I drove a V8S that was 104. No dealership yeah. is going to sell that for 99. No way. Otherwise, it would totally be on my list. I think the F-Type Coupe is a future classic. It's gorgeous. But the F-Type R, it's you're not going to buy it for 99,000. So right there, we have a problem. But they did say they were going off MSRP and MSRP base. I think you can just 99. judge their list based on the cars they pick. Like the, yeah. the whole the pricing thing can swing with dealerships. But I mean that thing will probably be a classic because it's the best looking car they've made since the E Type. Yeah, and that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. So the next car is the BMW M5. If the E39 hasn't gone crazy in value, this we have a long way to go. For yeah. this fucking current M5 is getting anywhere near there. The E39 M5, if you are interested in it, buy it now because it will be going up It's real soon. cheap. They're like $17,000 right. too. Well, and I'd argue even the one that – what was the generation after the E39? What was the, what was the uh, was that? The after the E39? F- the F60 the or something. Okay, so that one I could understand because it was the V10 and they're not a lot of those. It's very uncommon. Yeah, but the E39 but is, still. is the one. Yeah. And that hasn't – you could like you said, you could pick those up. So – to call the current one a future classic, I'm not seeing it. I agree. I think there's too many other twin turbo V8 options right now, yeah. so it's like the market's kind of flipped. It's not that special. God damn it, Germans! Would you stop making these it's awesome also, twin turbo V8s? <laughs> forget twin turbo V8s. There's just a ton of really good big sedans right now. Right. Yeah. You know, all types of European big big good sedans. If so this, what sets if this, this one apart? A True. renaissance of that, maybe, but yeah. it, it, it's not. And that's what the E39 was like. Horsepower, like the E39 was the sedan. fastest car on the fucking planet right. when it came so out. Right, so that was a big deal. And, and horse. also, 20 years, you, I think there's also an age thing here where when, when the E39 was like out and then continued, we were kind of at the age where it was like really reading cars probably. Also, and like getting yeah. close to like, oh, we can afford this Also, the higher someday. series came out, the BMW films oh, yeah. with uh, Clive Owen. That's right. With that, I mean, that shaped it too. Um, but BMW M5, Kerwin, not a chance. Um the next one on their list is the Capo Camaro. It, I, I can give them that because they're only going to build like 70 of these cars. Yeah, it's been on fast and loud. They got their, right. you know. Yeah, so I, I'll give them that one because this will – everybody who buys these except for one drag race team is going to tuck these away and they're just going to appreciate yeah. like crazy. Well, that and on the Copa Camaros, there's three different motors. So they're like – it's even split down to there are very rare so variants in that. Yeah, yeah okay. none of them are exactly like any of the other ones. So I, I, I give them that one. And you and technically you can it's under a hundred thousand, which is is pretty cool. Uh, the next one on their list, I don't agree with it at all. The Ghibli S. I really really like this car, 
But are people clamoring for the original Ghibli? People who buy the Ghibli didn't even know there are two Ghiblis before this fucking Ghibli. Yeah. And the original Ghibli is kind of bitching because it looks like an Italianized E30 M3. And I, I don't see those rolling across the auction block. The Ghibli has That's going to be such a specific market. It's just going to be like yeah. eight guys that really, really want right. that car and then they have it. It's going to be whoever takes over Hooniverse for me in 30 years <laughs> is going to want the Ghibli S. It's, it's, nobody's going like, ooh, remember the first gen Quattro port? Because that's who's going to want the Ghibli S. Because <laughs> it's basically a small version of that. It's yeah. a good car. It's not a future collectible. It's good now. It's going to break in a year and depreciate exactly. like a rock. But Well, most good classic cars worth a lot of money that Haggerty insures. <laughs> Pretty much, they all break every other time you drive them. You yeah, know, it's, so who knows? Maybe that's part of their run. insight into it. The uh, next on the list, this is an instant, hundred percent agree. Alfa Romeo Four C, no question. Really? No, no question. I, I don't know. I've, I've got so much doubt about how high it's priced. And, Everything I and hear those about, headlights that were supposed the headlights to be, you know, are, I, I feel like people grow to love the headlights, and if okay. that's the worst part of the car, just because the the weight and the handling, it's supposed to be true. amazing. Yeah, uh, that and the exhaust note for a four cylinder is unbelievably good. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I feel like that's a decent pick. All right. I guess. Be, well, by classic, are they saying will again ri- will eventually rise above its MSRP? I, I, I don't know like what their qualification classic or I think just a that's, classic. That's how I interpreted the list. Okay. Because yeah. I think the interest will still definitely be there in 20 years for that car. Well, so and I think it's really cool. The other factor on the 4C is that 20 years from now, 5% of the production run will still exist because the rest will have burst into flames or been crashed. Now, uh, the next one on the list I feel like is, is cheating. It's taking an easy way out because, yes, it will be someday. We just have a long way to go. The new Corvette Stingray. Yeah, it will be someday. Nope. I disagree. I, it's, they brought the Stingray name back. The The first year for the C7 in 30 years will be a collector's item. And I'll let me chime in on this because I'm the vet guy. You, you know? are the vet guy. No question. Yeah. it's. I think that car is going to age incredibly poorly. I think that's going to look like a mid-70s vet in about five years Oof! because there are too many louvers and too many angles. And it's I'm just... really looking forward to the mid-cycle refresh on that car. Really? In three, four years when they really figure out how to not – fucking driving it. I'm oh, it's amazing. I'm the hasn't driven it. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, it's so good. So maybe that – by that standard, by how good it is to drive it, and by just how incredible a car it is – in general, maybe not, you know, based on looks of louvers and, feel, and little feel, plastic dinky parts. That's why it'll be a future classic. But I feel like it's it's the re- a couple things. It's a it's a major overhaul. Yeah, it's the revival of the Stingray name. It's you know LT one. It's there's a, there's a lot going for it. Um, How well do you think those world class interiors? That could be said for a lot. Of I know, I know it could. I'm bringing this. It could be so thing. cheap to replace them in 20 years though, because people are like oh put point. put fucking e reader ink or whatever you know some. Just slap your Kindle back there, and then all of a sudden, boop, it looks like the gauges. Yep. If there's any vet that you're going to buy as a collectible, it's a first-gen Z06. Those are already starting to creep back up. It's true. And that's the thing is, if you if you because driving in the C7 is awesome, but the C6 wasn't bad. The Z06s are great. The C5 Z06 was great. ZR1. Like, they, they drive really well. They've always done that. It's just now they finally fixed the interior. So it's right. well, are people going to love that so much that that's what will make yeah. it a classic? And they're putting the new seats in the Z06. 
the pre-prod Z06, uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe I heard it even here. Someone was saying they sat in the Z06 and it was the greatest thing their ass had ever felt. Something like that. But it, basically the new Z06 is going to have even better seats. So add to that interior. And I, maybe it's a thing with, you know, depending on if the Z06 makes it in under a hundred grand, that will even be a bigger future classic. than. I, than, think, I think they're going to push to do that. I feel like they have to. Yeah. I think that's a major selling point for that car. It always has been. There, there, I'll say then there must be some merit to your argument because uh, although the other cars drove so well, everything about this car is so good. So maybe that yeah. will help it excel to to classic. I am also looking forward to a mid-season or uh, mid-cycle. Mid-cycle. Now I'm curious change. what you guys are thinking about the next car on the list because I'll preface this by saying I'm a massive Japanese car fan. I love that Japanese yep. cars are finally rising in value and getting attention on a global collector scale. Oh, Versa, no doubt. But <laughs> but Man, I don't floor I back. don't Ooh, see this car attaining status. 370Z Nismo. No, no, no me no. neither. No. No. 240Zs all day long. Well, slowly, but yeah. And that's, the twin turbo and that's 300ZX a, is quietly one of the best-looking cars ever made. Uh, I actually prefer personally the Z31 generation before yeah. that one, even though the Z32s are amazing. Uh, the twin turbos, um, they're, fant- they're fantastic. But even I don't even see Z32s yet. Being like, oh, we got to get those uh, Z31s, except for a few very rare exceptions among people who really fucking like Z cars. It's the 88 Anniversary Edition um, or 86 Anniversary Edition and the 88 Shiro Special. Those yeah. are the only two, and nobody else cares unless it's a 240Z or a 2000 GT. People aren't even sh- – uh, the 370Z Nismo will get its day when people start flipping their shit over 3000 GT Mitsubishis. We have yeah. a long way to go. those today. Very clean. I like went to green. the Tale of the Dragon. Must have been five or six years ago. And there was a crew of guys in 53,000 GTs and all in tow. Wow. And one of them, the guy had a wrecked 3,000 GT from the rear window back cut off. And he had it as a trailer to his 3,000 GT. That's fucking And they were both primered the That's same like the black and everything. Move. And it was like... Oh man, there's actually like a culture around these, but I don't feel like that culture exists around the 370Z well, you at live all. In the middle of the woods. No. <laughs> yeah. You and, know. and and the 350Z never. Fuck that car. Uh, I don't like that car at the all. Roadster the 370Z is, is awful a looking. great. The 370Z is a really good car. It's it is. fun to drive. It's uh, a little pricey in some of the models, and I just do not. And I again, I love the Z. I had an 85Z. Love the Z. I drove a 240Z cross country. Love the car. I don't see it for this one. Why are they not? But if you're going to pick a Nissan, why aren't you saying GTR? You not sub hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. not anymore. Well, yeah. first year was. Yeah. yeah, first year, and that was the big selling point. Was the first year? Oh, Godzilla sub hundred thousand. Now it's you know what's the new Nismo GTR going to be? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so the next one on the list, I feel like wrong generation. Not going to appreciate this car. It, I mean, <laughs> the Challenger Shaker. You know they brought back the shaker hood. I really, I think it's a really stupid move. Yeah. There's no chance. The people who like the original, and I do, I love the fucking original Challengers all day long. Uh, I don't really give a shit, and I like the current that, Challenger, but that car is not a classic. No, and that's the problem. Is it's a cool car. I like that it's one of the only modern American muscle cars because the Camaro's doing its yeah. thing. The, the Mustang's now a sports The reason car. it won't be a classic is because the gen, the people that are alive that love the new Shaker Hood also love the old Shaker Hood because they're alive, and they won't be. They'll buy the years. old one, yeah. No, they'll be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then people our age who will be buying these classics 
will not they maybe they'll get their hands on that Alfa Romeo or right. a Japanese car, a 240Z yeah. or or even some weird Hondas. I mean, but I don't see the Challenger Shaker getting it. The next one on the list is the weirdest fucking choice that just doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon X. What? What? Why would a Jeep even be on the list? I don't, I don't know. know of anything on. Like, I love Jeeps. Yeah. I love just going crazy in a Wrangler, and right. it can do pretty much. You disconnect the sway bar, and it can do anything that almost any other production car can do off road. You put some tires on it; it's amazing. Right. But future classic, they right. all. I can't. No, so, no way. So, can think about how cheaply you could get a CJ7 right now, yeah. and that's yeah. a classic Jeep. Think about how cheaply you could get. A, an early Cherokee Sport with that four-liter inline six. Tim Odell, the co-owner of Hooniverse, has a '69 Grand Wagner that he got for like eight grand. Uh, so the Rubicon, the new Rubicon, and it's X probably had like ten thousand miles on it. That's the weirdest fucking choice ever. Yeah. It, I, I, the Dragon Edition makes a better choice. Wow, man, that thing's amazing. that's you're going a little far there. He, the he drove it. Oh, that was I fit. saw another one in the wild yeah, yesterday or two days yeah. ago. That's yeah. insane. Well, you mean the, the dragon didn't make it faster? <laughs> uh, so the Maybe last faster one. faster to get away from whoever saw me. This yeah. last one on the list, I think has a chance. And Have we gone 10 to 1? Is there a, is there a numerical order for no, that? No, no. It's just 1 just, through 10, but I don't think it's... Got it. Okay. Um, Feels like one this last 15. one, though, I think has a chance just because I'm afraid it's a flash in the pan. I don't want it to be. I want it to stay for a while, but I think it's going to grace its presence. It's going to be gone, and then we're going to be like, man, remember that fucking car? Fiesta ST. Yep. So here's the question on that one. We had the Focus ST, and I and I struggled. I really liked the car. The seats didn't fit me. So we had the Recaro Package 2 or whatever seats in it, and they just the bolsters on it didn't fit me. So the Fiesta was a great car. I looked past that, took it on road trips. It took it to Yosemite with three of my friends in it. Yeah, the Focus right. ST. So why would the Fiesta ST be... Their choice instead of the Focus. It's, it's better. It's a better car. Yeah, but it's how much better is, is my question. I haven't driven it yet, so that's that's I why I, I've driven the base, I think it's, base Fiesta, but not the ST. I think it's significantly better. Um, why? It's, uh, it just feels like a tighter, more nimble, well, it is crazier smaller and tight, more And a car sprung. that little and that inexpensive shouldn't be able to do what it does. I put the Fiesta ST right against the sure. original Mini Coopers. It's that same idea of tiny car, great handling, good motor for the size of the car. It's it's shocking how much fun that, that car is. It's a sweet little car. And I've, I've spent barely a fraction of, of the time I want to spend with that car. Uh, I really want more time with that car. It's in the So the Focus ST, and I drove a modified one. I drove the Shelby Focus ST, yeah. which going in, I you know, I, I liked it. It was just... It's like a Mazda B3 with a shitload of torque steer, and and you know it, it's uh, you know it is. Well, even the, even the base ST has a bunch of torque steer. You right. Know, the Focus ST. Um, the Fiesta ST is just a fantastic chassis. You're lifting that wheel, you know, the inside wheel if you corner hard enough. Uh, it it remind yeah it reminds me of an old British front wheel drive, hot hatch. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and I feel like and I fear that it's going to be here for. Two to three years, and then we're never going to see it again. 
Ford does that with their hot hatches. The same thing that happened with the SVT Focus. They only made it That's for two exactly years. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. The old, yeah, and, they, I, and I was at a Mecham, well, I was at a Mecham auction two years ago and saw um, an SVT. It was an SVT Focus go across, and there wasn't that much interest in the room, and it only had thirteen thousand miles and went for nine grand. And I'm like, I wish I had. Yeah, I was going to say, how much? How much has that it. SVT kind of faded into obscurity? And how much do you think the current? Fiesta ST will do the same thing. Well, so it's a really good buy auction. right now. That but, car was yeah. at the wrong auction. It was at, at, yeah. the Mecham auction is, is blue collar muscle car, they and, which is why head. I like Mecham auctions. Uh, but in 15 years, Mecham could be us because we we're not going to be Barrett Jackson. Yeah, that's not our scene. Uh, we might wish it was our. I don't even think we wish it was our scene. We I'd, I'd actually aspire to Gooding and RM. Yeah. But Mecham is great. That's where we're going to go to buy that uh, 240Z that I want and your Integra GSR that you're going to want and your, I don't know, some crazy-ass Miata that you want that, you know, uh, I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. 22B. What do you want? Uh, On that? Oh, shit. Crazy things? I think I want another GTO. There you go. So a GTO. um, and Stuff like that. that. I think that'll be Meekum. And I think... You know, 20 years down the line, we'll be like, oh, Fiesta ST, that'll be so cool. I'll get it. And my, me and my son will work on it. And- I think you're right, but we, it will depend on what happens in the next 20 years. Because I think what happened with muscle cars in the 60s is the 70s and 80s were dark and there was smog yeah. and, you know, nothing was fast. And so the cars sucked ass. So that's why everything from then is awesome and made the auctions. But if everyone now is figuring out how to make cars, like, efficient and powerful and realizing that driving is an interest, like the Fiesta ST is aimed at drivers, if that continues and the generations coming up are still interested in driving, you know, will will there just be more successors that are equally as good? Mm. You know, I mean, it is the first, yep. like, American really yeah. good tiny hot hatch. But yeah. if they continue to do it, then it might go, oh, yeah, that was the first one. But, man, you you really should get the The Mazda. next four right, generations right, right. after it were insainly See, better. That, that, that's, why, that's why I prefaced it by saying I think it's – I'm afraid, but I think it's going to be a flash in the pan. And if that's the case, there you go. But, I, hey, I, if that I, flash in the pan starts a grease fire in the kitchen no, no, of all these high hatches. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If that doesn't happen, if you're like it's a shooting star. And then oh, there's no more following. Yeah. I think they know that there's an, there's enough interest in driving and motors and just I'm just say driving. Like everyone's focused on their chassis and even the Mazda two that you drove, you liked it, like it handles car. well. They won't even they know poor people. There if there was a Mazda Speed two, I would I would yeah. poop my pants a little bit to be honest. Uh, but continue. on that poopy note, we're gonna take a quick <laughs> break before we dive into uh, talking about our our lovely guest Travis. So Ooh. we'll see you in a minute, folks. This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Welcome back. We just had a nice little break where we talked about stuff that you can't hear about because it's off the record. That's why we go on break. Also to refill our beers, go pee-pee and poo-poo. Uh, nobody went poo-poo. Hope we not. only do number one here. I don't know why you're talking Either in that I. way. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk <laughs> to our guest and find out what is going on in his world. Travis. Thank you so much for joining us this yeah, evening. Yeah, my uh, pleasure. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, the pleasure is ours. Um, so you're with Edmunds.com. Yes. You're an associate editor. And how long have you been with Edmunds? Been with Edmunds about three years now, but I've only been in the editorial department for about a year. So I started out at Edmunds doing basically uh, dealer support. So the whole system where the dealerships list their inventory on the website. They're a premier dealer. They call them uh, promise dealers now. And basically um, – 
that whole system has this giant infrastructure of people that are constantly on call to work with the dealer issues. If a car's price is wrong on, on the site or if, or if they're not listing certain cars or something like that. And as they were building that infrastructure, they had a huge wave of hires. And I was one of the first in that group to get hired on. And then I moved on into kind of the data department, the inventory department specializing in those issues. But the whole time I was constantly obsessed with all the editorial content on the site. That's, you know, as a gearhead growing up, I was just always watching that stuff on the site, always reading something, and then trying to get to know the guys in that side of the business. And so finally, when a spot opened up on the editorial side, I said, hey, anything I can do to get in over there, you know. And when when you first started, was Inside Line still alive, or was yes. it already What's Hot? Yes, Inside Line was still alive in the, I think, span of the first year and a half or so that I was there, so about maybe 16 months ago now, was when Inside Line was folded back into Edmonds and became What's Hot. Okay, very cool. Where did you come from uh, before the? I mean, you, you you weren't born and then arrived at Edmonds. No, just I mean, always you know, car culture, Southern California. Growing up, my dad took me to car meets before I could walk. I was going to the LA Auto Show for fifteen years Isn't before it more I was fun. Now on this side, you know what? You don't is, have to deal with the you know public. what's you know what's interesting is my <laughs> dad used to work. There. My dad used to work for Homeless Healthcare Los Angeles, and they were one of the beneficiaries of their VIP preview night. So you and I know oh, there's the press night, night. Or there's the press two days. There's, you know, Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday night, right. they clean up all the mess from the press. And then, hey, here's all these free hors d'oeuvres and open bar and stuff. And all the cars are open to get in at this yeah, point. You can be... sit in the Gumperts. You can sit in the Ferraris when right. Ferrari used to come to the LA Auto Show. And we went to those. I must have gone to that VIP preview night for 15 years running oh, wow. until I got into the industry and was working at Edmonds. And now I have press pass. <laughs> so it's like I just haven't stopped going to the LA Auto Show for maybe, you know, 15, 20 years. So that that's actually – you must have an interesting perspective then because I feel like the LA Auto Show has really grown up and come into its own and they get a lot of reveals now where – It has, always, especially with the date changes where it's not the same oh, week yeah. as Detroit anymore. Yeah. But then bigger things some people think are revealed at Detroit and then smaller things Detroit, at LA. I but, think Detroit still holds the edge on some things, but – Sorry, I just got yelled at by my producer. Hmm. Uh, I still I, I still think Detroit holds the edge on some things, but it, it Cal, LA is 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 number two, yeah. and it's it's working hard to become number one because yeah. no one wants to go to fucking Detroit yeah. in the middle of January. Thankfully, I'm not going this year. And even though even though I do enjoy, I I went for the first time ever last year, and I did enjoy it. Um, because it was an experience. But my two favorite auto shows are L.A., because it's in our backyard, mm -hmm. and New York, because yeah. it's New York. And I also feel like there's kind of been a change in the direction of the L.A. auto show. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I was always – Kensha Hall or Kanita or whatever it is, is the hall kind of in the basement of yep. the L.A. Convention Center. Mm -hmm. And that's their little like mini version of SEMA. So right. that's where they yeah. debuted the first – I remember – Ten years ago, something like that, they debuted the first 30-inch rim. We were a little this... company called Mansory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, they had the first, that rim that spun around with all the LEDs, and you could put messages on the side, follow us to the party or whatever. You know, like, it was that kind of crazy. <laughs> wells, man. Yeah, it was that kind of crazy SEMA stuff down there. And it might just be a feeling, but I feel like that hall every year has gotten smaller oh, and smaller. Right. They and changed smaller the name of it this year. And smaller and smaller. Then also, the there was kind of a causeway for at least a dozen years where you would walk through, and that's where Ferrari was. Right. That's where the Enzo reveal was, obviously yep. 10 months late because it had already debuted at Detroit the year right. before. But 
Ferrari, what is Ferrari doing not being in Los Angeles? Other yeah. than Dubai, is this not their biggest That's market? That's why yeah. Porsche is brilliant. Yeah, because they, they have they their still own have. room, and they actually spent more money this year. Uh, they knocked out a wall. They, yeah. They, the convention center the agreed to let them everything. knock out a wall to expand their presence, and then they had this outdoor pseudo-seating area in the yep. back corner. They had like a um, coffee they bar. They showed they have the 918 because I think globally, California is like 12% of their sales yeah. globally or something yeah. – something in uh, an insane number of – and not just the United States. Of the entire planet, they sell a, over a tenth of their cars in California. Dude, look around. I mean how many 911s and Panameras do you see every day? Tons. Lots of them. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's one of the reasons they're not as exciting to drive in L.A. despite how good they are. <laughs> Like yeah, it doesn't matter how good your your Carrera, I don't your get base Porsche press cars so three eight Carrera no, is. I'm working. Guess on what? It. You're going to be driving in a pack of you're twelve. Listening to this, no, you're totally right. That's why I didn't like non turbo nine elevens yep. until I actually drove one, and I still don't like them because they they. I don't, don't like driving them in the city, right. but I love driving that, them in the canyons. You, know? you should say that on a date sometime and see how a girl. Re- I don't like non turbo nine eleven because <laughs> she's like, yeah, I don't What's like white guys, <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, so this uh, is just free dinner for you. Aren't, then. Don't you know John Sally? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can you get me John's phone number? Well, um, I think the funny thing is, is, is right as Porsche does things with the auto show, they don't keep enough press cars on the West Coast where they sell. Most of their cars, yeah. they don't keep enough press cars. Yeah, there. but the, the 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 people who buy them don't give a shit. That's us. I mean, that's us complaining. They're, and they're about to have a shit ton of them because they're building that facility right across from the Goodyear blimp. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when that's done, God, that's I cannot be wait for that. Uh, so for excited those of the you Porsche experience. Who don't know, Porsche is building a uh, customer. I, I don't know how, what the title is, but it's like it's a the customer. Porsche Experience Center. Okay, yeah. the Porsche Experience Center. It's basically a racetrack next to the 405. Um, that I, it used to be on the it's what used to be, used to be the Dominguez Hills Golf Course. Fifty three acres. They're going to have apparently, at least what I've read in in the the early stages of it is they're going to have an F one acclimation center where you can learn what it's like to spend a day in an F one car. Come on. They're going to have a whole center for obviously. Why would they have that? Uh, just because people will pay. But for I don't it. understand why the they same would way do as F1. the NASCAR experience. Like why wouldn't they do Le Mans? Because because what the it, fuck does F one's well F one's a bigger name. Yeah, I know, but what does Porsche have but to do But what with it's F1? like to spend a day in an open-wheel race car. I know, no, no, no. I know. think it's awesome, but it strikes me as odd that they would. Because Porsche is now getting it back into wrong, LMP but... cars, which is awesome. Um, whatever, but that's that's a stupid thing to think of because it, the place is going to be amazing. But yeah. they're also going to have uh, articulation courses for their SUVs with different you know, ice road conditions and things like that and then also one of the early expectations I can't wait till someone from Southern California oh I was on the ice throw <laughs> I need a Starbucks I've never done this no, before they'll, they'll buy their they'll buy their Cayenne and be like it did really good on the ice off road course and be like you're gonna use like the 15, yeah. the 15 with my Yokohama summer tires yeah it's right a, it's a Land Rover dealership the like, single best part of, of that the things- whole center though is it's only about five miles from my house yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. One of the things, too, that I guess the second most exciting thing about that course is the potential <laughs> for open track days. Mm-hmm. They're talking about making it, you know, much like a Streets of Willow or, you know, where you could have an open track day so in Los Angeles. Oh, it would be incredible. I, I feel like there's, there's going to be um, 
Yeah, there's going to be some track events. You know what? We can probably get Dave Engelman on to talk about this because we had him on uh, TST and we got a little info out of this. So let me get in touch with him and see if we can uh, get some Let's more info. Let's make on that happen. Yep. Yeah. Um, but so, to get to get back earlier sure. to your to your point of where I came from. So the the auto show was the man. We came a long way away from yeah that. <laughs> tangent. So we. I always used to go to the auto Message. shows. Sorry. Always used to go to the the Grand National Roadster show. My dad had a Studebaker he worked on for 15 years when we were growing up, all that kind of stuff. And so that was just all the car stuff was a pipe dream until I started working at Edmonds. So in college I did the, you know, the journalism thing, you know, studied English and did wrote for the school paper and all that stuff and never thought cars was even an option. So it was, you know, I had a for the first time in my life, someone asked me, oh, how do you do what you do? And I was like, oh, wow, here, I don't know. There's no prescribed course. But The then, answer is start your own blog and make no money. Yeah, and I tried to do that. <laughs> or get hired by Edmonds. Here's one of the good things is even though I had my data job at Edmonds, I had been writing a blog about all my Sunday trips up to Mohol and to the Snake, watching Fabio crash into the guardrail, watching an R6 high side and trying to put it out with a fire extinguisher and failing miserably and watching this – $10,000 sport bike basically melt down to the headers. That's awesome. Oh, it's incredible. You can look that up on YouTube. But I had been writing a blog and keeping photography along the whole Smart. time. I actually, I actually tell people when they ask me, how do I get into this? And I say, just write and take pictures, write and take pictures. Just keep doing write, it. Just keep doing that. And either start pitch – if you do enough of it, start pitching it to people or if you're good enough – Maybe people will start to take notice, but either way, keep doing. That's that's actually really good. And so when the job opened up, I had writing samples. I had, hey, here's the stuff that I actually wrote in the last six weeks, not something that I published, you know, eight years ago or whatever. I wrote an essay on. Well, it's a rare industry where you can do the job that you hope to get with. You don't have to have. You don't have to get the job. You just. Right yeah, I, I can't go sit in my home office and, and make fake trades. Be like, sell, sell, buy, buy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but anybody can do a WordPress <laughs> blog and a Facebook page where they're, you know, yep. 57 of their friends like it. And here's all the photos of the, cars the, the, I took guy, at this local The one guy meet, on you know? YouTube, Sob Kyle, I, Sob Kyle 04, uh, how, his views are insane. That dude makes so much money from YouTube. I have no idea. Uh, he he does these really basic reviews at dealerships, and people fucking love them. Millions of views. Dude is dude is makes money from. Yep. He, it's you know, so it hard to make money from YouTube, as you know, Zach. You know that's it's hard to make money from YouTube. This dude makes money mm-hmm. as a, and he's a young guy, and he just goes and sits in these cars at dealerships. He has a good relationship with the local dealers, films the cars, and they're really. Ba- I don't even know if he does driving shots. Walk arounds, interior. He, I mean, he knows what he's talking about in terms of the specs, but I don't think he goes into detail of you know this is what it's like in a candy right. road. Yeah. So he just says understeers at the and his, limit. And his everything. views will blow you away. Um, Make me at, mad is more like it. But but, yeah. but he if he's still young enough, I, I'm actually sh- he finally got invited to his first. Pri- I, so who was telling me? Oh, a, a friend we know. I won't name because we we all know PR people. But they invited him to his first. He got invited to a press trip, and he was there. And he, you know, at dinner, he was like, he turned to the PR, he's like, what do I owe? What's my share for the PR, like the, the press dinner? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, the this, the, the, totally out of his element, had no idea. And for those of you listening, we eat very well and it's all paid for. Uh, we're all in the manufacturer's pockets. Uh, <laughs> no, so this I haven't guy, been on a press trip in two years. So I don't know what, I don't, this is Jeff's. You were on the R8 drive. Was probably your last one, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay. 
<laughs> but it was local. You didn't get to travel. And, um, but no, this guy. So this guy went. I was kidding, by the way, about the in the pocket. Please, people, please don't take that the wrong way. It was a fucking joke. Um, so this guy went, and he he was just naive and young, and and it was refreshing to see. But uh, it's amazing if, like you said, if you just keep. Doing what you want to do, it's rare in this industry that it's something that maybe you could turn it into actually doing it and making money from it. Yeah. That's what my long roundabout thing that I was getting at. Um, but getting back to Edmonds, um, you guys have a extremely envious long-term test fleet. It's awesome. Scrum tralescent, some it's, might say. <laughs> it's, it's really spoiled for riches sometimes. It's... Like I'll get to the end, and to be fair to me, I'm you know kind of I'm like the last guy the list comes to at the end of the day. You know, there's a couple people that don't drive the cars as much, you know, that just don't care. Um, you know, that are kind of below me on the totem pole of you know hierarchy of who gets to choose cars and things like that. And every once in a while, you know, I'll get sent out uh, on a press drive, or if a car comes in, I'll be assigned the model review of it, and I'll get to drive it. But sometimes. It'll come to me on the weekend, you know, and there'll be a lot of cars in, you know, because we've got about 20, 25 long-term cars in at any given time. These are cars we own for a year and test. And the majority of, I would say more than half of, we actually own and aren't loaners from the OEMs. So we buy them. We tell you how much we sold it for. So, for example, we had the Focus ST. That thing lost 35%. In wow. one year's depreciation, but from like thirty-two grand to nineteen five or something, we were able to sell it to Carmax for kitties at home. Oh, what yeah. a focus Part ST. Of that's like Carmax and also thirty. No, no, but here's the thing: is we couldn't find any other focuses in the area with similar mileage and age and equipment levels that were any higher than maybe twenty grand. Wow! So even selling it to Carmax for nineteen, we got a great deal. Wow. Yeah. So it was like that thing just fell off a cliff depreciation wise and that's part of the fun of the fleet but the number of cars I'll, I'll get the list on you know on a Friday oh, hey, what, what do you want to sign out uh, well it's a choice between the 911 Carrera and the Stingray and the SLP Camaro because a lot of the other people that I work with have families they're you know they have kids they have you know they need to take them places or they're going on road trips or they need the Silverado they need our long term truck because they're going to do a test with it this weekend and tow some big you know trailer or whatever and it's like oh hey here's the the young kid who has no responsibility in a two bedroom apartment uh, sign out a sports car all right you know like I just had the SLP for the last week awesome. so that was insanely fun now the SLP uh, what exactly are we talking about here the 600 horsepower uh, street lim- street legal performance in New Jersey takes these cars and takes the the Camaro the 2014 Camaro. God, I wish the plate said forget about it. <laughs> I wish it said street it did. We legal had to change it quotes. up. It was yeah. like legalish. Yeah, you know, legalese. <laughs> and they they modify the the hell out of it, but they leave everything. Uh, under warranty, so the drivetrain is still on under warranty, and they put these big, you know, 600 horsepower supercharged stickers on the hood, and and the exhaust is this is without a, a you know, any hyperbole, the only car that has ever been too loud for me. So there's on Malibu wow. Canyon, there's a great tunnel, and I just blast through it. Of course, you know, you go into first gear, and you only go up to the speed limit, and you see how loud you can get the car. Of course, <laughs> and but. I've taken the SLS AMG Roadster with the top down through that tunnel. I've taken the Stingray. I've taken my personal car that sounds like, you know, a bunch of bees <laughs> flying through that tunnel. But this, I couldn't redline the SLP. It was so loud and wow. so much. Just, you know, so, this starts earthquake sound. On that car, there's a little little known fact. 
That exhaust that's on that car is called the Loudmouth. It's SLP's famous car. Yeah. There are, they aren't mufflers. They're resonators. I know that because I used to own that exhaust system on Very a nice. fourth gen Camaro. Yeah. Yeah. It's deafeningly loud. Wow. But, but that car, you know, it's got 285s at all four corners, and it just. Jesus. You can just. In first, you know, just take traction control off, and the rear wheels will just light up yeah. at 2,500 RPM. And, and they do a 700-horsepower version, which, what what would you need that I'm for? I'm like Italian John <laughs> Hennessy. I got it's, the 600, the 700. Yeah. You, just, you need that to post. Oh, yeah. My, my, my uh, SLP has more horsepower than your GT500. That's the one reason you'll ever need that. But it's yeah. it's wickedly yeah. fun. It's true. You know, it's, it's insanely fun. So I had that, you know, and also it's still a Camaro inside, so it's, you know, big A-pillars and, and difficult vision and things like that. So but, you, you've uh, driven a lot of cars. Uh, what was, if you had to pick your favorite car from the year prior, what would you, do, do you know what it is? Man, that the SLS AMG Roadster, yeah, based see. on, that can't, again, same thing happened where everybody else needed some kind of family sedan or they needed our, you know, Mazda CX-5 or whatever it was that they needed for more than two passengers. And that came around to me when I was on a, I was going to a press trip in Palm Springs. Oh, perfect. And it was top down to and from Palm Springs for four days. How many dudes did you make out with in Palm Springs? At so least a dozen. Many. At least. So many. I, I lost count. But it was, you know... Summer in Palm Springs, and I was just that's, that's after the press car. event. Normally, you know, you go to a press event, they take you out to a steakhouse, you have six glasses of wine, you go to sleep. But this was no, I want to go out and drive the SLS after and the press event. Yeah, the and there are, desolate. you know, you go up into the canyons up there. It's you know, 105 degrees during the day, but at night, at night it's that cool desert air. Right. And I had the top down, and I must have come across a half a dozen other convertible supercars. Oh, yeah. There was a guy in a 458 you know, Roadster. Wow. There was, a, you know, a guy in a 430 Roadster. There was another, you know, I it mean. It was the right night. For right cruising. night, right town. You know, Palm Springs is for a lot of snowbirds, but there's also a lot of money out there in, in, in the sticks and whatnot. And that, I think, you know, is probably one of the best driving experiences I've ever had, almost tied with Canyon Roads and the Stingray. Sure. The new wow. Z51 okay. Stingray. Because... Yeah. The A-pillars on, on that AMG are just so massive, and the car is pretty damn long. It's over 16 feet long, and but and the Stingray feels you know much more connected to the road, but those two are definitely top tier. You know, like You never think you're going to have that kind of experience, and once you do, you're like, yeah, it's just as good as I thought it was going to be. It's not and I just better. cracked a little joke about driving to Palm Springs, but the, the last time I drove to Palm Springs, I had an E550 Cabrio. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you lost count way before. I, so I, I made did. out yeah. with tons of dudes, too. Dude, I, I got to drive the yellow 911 there. Yeah. And then I got to drive the F-Type V8S oh, to, to Chuck Walla, and I got to drive the new M5 back. And I was like, those two days, I was like, what the fuck? Whose life am I in right now? <laughs> yeah. That that might be my favorite car of the year. The but for the, for the credit of, yes. you know, of our industry, like it's – while we tell all the stories about the glamour, some of the people I work with, you know – are some of the hardest working people I've no ever question. seen. I see, you know, these guys that stay up all night just trying to get the the review right, just trying to get the test right, just trying to get the numbers right, get it all put together just so they can get it out as quickly and as efficiently and as accurately as possible. And that's exactly why I haven't made the leap to a top tier journalist. <laughs> <laughs> because I like to drink and then go watch Archer and fall asleep. <laughs> but still, I mean, Wait, you know, you when too? you go out on a, when you go out on a on a long lead program or something, you go out to a press event and somebody has you out and it's, 
you know, you have to look past all that stuff to actually review the car. No question. You know, when you get in that car, you're like, wow, okay, Absolutely. is this any good for, and you have to think in the mind of, all right, who's the guy that's going to buy this $40,000 sedan? And is he really going to take it out and care about the back roads? No. Is it, well, is he going to care about how quickly he can connect to Bluetooth? Probably not, because once he gets it connected, he's going to have it connected for the rest of his life. He's, right. he's not going to be one of 25 journalists in a day getting in and out of it, trying right. to put their different iPhone on, and it, it kind of gets screwy on them. I always get excited when I see someone I know in the Bluetooth of the car. I just go, <laughs> like, ooh, Johnny Lieberman just had this car. Hey, John. I think one of the best uh, tricks that somebody on our staff played on us is one of the two uh, owners of the company, Avi Steinloff, is one of the two owners of Evans.com, and uh, someone in the editorial fleet named their iPhone Avi's phone. Oh, God. So every time they paired it to a car, nobody would delete it. Out of, you know, those those cars only have That's five. Brilliant. They That's only brilliant. have five or so. I forget who it was that said they did that. And, I, and even if I believed them, I still wouldn't delete it from the list. It's still never coming off there, right. you know, just, just in, in case, case the boss is the wrong car. Really? Yeah. You can that also drive, good. if you're in, like, on the press, like, launches... Because you're driving in a pack sometimes, like from well, the only one I did was Honda. I drove Vegas to Spring Spring Mountain, but you could be next to someone else's car and their Bluetooth phone yes. connect to your yes. phone, and then like it rings and it's like Michael's wife, and you're like, I'm about to hear some Michael's wife. I had story. that. We were on a, a three SUV or four SUV comparison, four of them, and one of them was our long-term CRV, and one of the other staff man, man, managers, Erin uh, Riches, she was in front of me in like a CX-5 or a Ford Escape, and. I started just hearing her tunes. I didn't press anything. Yeah, I didn't anything. see anything. Her phone just started playing because that was the last car she had driven. I was like, what is this? This is not my music. It was That's great. Awesome. It's like, oh, it's got like a range of 20 yards or whatever it is between All the two cars. When, Chris, when me and you came back from dinner, we were in the 911 and one of our friends was in like the F type or something. And I was in the morning. They were in the F type and they kept and like Rise Against came on. Seriously. Not oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, and that came on and they were like, we can't turn this off. And it was like my phone was connected to the car I drove the night before. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you guys don't just do uh, the new car stuff in your long-term fleet. You guys just had a Grand National. Yes. We always have one unique uh, used long-termer. Yeah, you had a 308 at yep, one point. We had a That's 308. Really cool. um, before the Grand National, it was, I believe it was a 91 NSX, huh. which I did not get the chance to uh. drive. And that is one of my... As a kid, poster. Let me cars, reiterate. You know. <laughs> that should exactly. be on Haggerty's fucking list, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, but it was new cars. You need yeah. to get it oh, a yeah, uh, right. Renault Five after this. Okay. Yeah. It's just good. there's and there's always the good suggestions. And what we were actually looking for, what um, Mike McGrath and James oh, Roswick have been for. the mastheads. What we were looking for was something AMG before I we know. got the Grand National, and we couldn't find anything. And there was a guy that wouldn't get below like forty thousand or something on his. But what we ended up finding was an '87 Buick Grand National with five thousand original miles on it, Jesus. still owned by the dealership that that. It was originally stocked at in New Jersey. And basically, we got the car for 25 grand. It needed tires and like two Bilstein shocks. And the thing would do brake stand burnouts oh, until the tires wore off. That's so And it awesome. was. It was like you got in a in a time machine and went back to 1987 and sat on the showroom floor. There was an, and there was a whole list of rules that came with the car. <laughs> Don't park it outside. If you you know, and it came with the original leather GM T top bags, oh. so you could take the T tops out, and they came with these little cloth oh, bags I and you put them in the trunk. So and leather or pleather? 
Probably legitimate leather. Really? I, I would say that if it was the 80s, I would think it was legitimate leather. Was that maybe like fine fur lining? Yeah, exactly. That's that's maybe the Z fine had. Corinthian leather of <laughs> 1980s products? Yeah, exactly. Do you guys have a tire budget? Like if you go and do brake, massive brake stands? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's it's basically just the long-term budget. I'm pretty sure there's an earmark for tires or whatever. But for instance, one of our long-term cars is the Tesla Model S, you know. Obviously, that's a really significant car that a lot of people read about. The readership on that is just out, you know, out of this world because everybody wants to know every little thing. So when that Especially one's long term, that's yeah, really interesting. Hey, we've got fifteen thousand miles on it, but we just put snow tires on it. As Tesla's supercharger market is expanding, we want to know what it's going to be like to drive in the snow. Cool. And very specifically, I was talking with Dan Edmonds today, who's one of our um, you know engineering. Heads. He's really, you know, he knows a lot of that great information. He's just a wealth of information. But he was talking about, well, what's it going to be like when it's really cold and we drive it across the country? What's battery life going to be like? Right. Will battery life suffer? I mean, I've always told, you know, you, get, you put double A's in the refrigerator, they last longer. But I don't know if that's going <laughs> to hold true for, you know, a 250, 260-mile range on a Tesla. But the used car is always something different and unique. And then the Grand National, we just sold it for exactly the same amount that we bought it for with 10,000 more miles on it. We put 10,000 miles on it in a year. Still, though, so someone's got, awesome. so, but still, someone just got a 15,000-mile Grand National. That was still in mint condition. That's fucking awesome. You guys yeah. drive it for free, basically, which is great. And yeah. can I ask what you what was it? What was the price on 25. it again? 25. We 25? bought it for 25. That's a good price sold on that it car. for 25. We put a couple grand of work in it. It went on a cross-country road trip um, and you know went to some hot rod runs down in the south and things like that. And <laughs> it, it, it needed like an oil cooler, I think, along the way there. Um, and it's so some guy in like this backyard garage shop, you know, disconnected the oil cooler but just hooked it up to the the filter so it could run for the rest of the trip. Um, and then we got it fixed when we got it back. And then there were tires and brakes and shocks. That was all we did to it. it was yeah, a, a, a good. Yeah example of a used one with like 80,000 miles which is common for that car yeah is gonna run you 16 18 grand yeah. so for 25 yeah, yeah. fuck that's a good deal yeah now and if you guys ever interested in grand nationals look up the documentary black air oh yeah about black air is amazing yeah. i have seen it definitely a good, um, good call you guys have moved on from the grand national and yes now you have finally got your amg yes the cl 65 amg uh, the twin turbo V12, 2006. The 604 horsepower, 738 pound feet of torque, mm -hmm. twin turbo, 4,700 pounds conservatively. Most expensive Mercedes when it was out, right? When it was out, it cost over $180,000. And we got it with 57,000 miles on it, if my memory serves me right, for 34 grand. <laughs> it, oh, that's lovely. Must have just fell fell off a cliff in value then, but I mean, and now you look at that, you're like, okay, well, I can get a zero to sixty in four seconds V12 that'll probably get you eleven, twelve miles to the gallon for the price of what a a, a tarted out a focus, focus. <laughs> like. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And you know, so we're gonna test that for a year. I can't uh, wait till something breaks, though. And so also, we can hear yeah. we're that's the parts. exactly the thing. So uh, like on if the a way turbo here, turbo goes or something. Yeah. You're fucked. Yeah, but that car is or, a perfect CarMax special. It's Mercedes yep. though, too. Yep. They're fairly well. Earlier and Mercedes are bulletproof. Guys like you and I, we were just doing it on the break. We're looking at cars. Oh yeah, what would I rather have for fifteen thousand dollars used instead of new? But 
then you got to look at the budget of how much it costs yeah. to right, run. Right. So in the case of like the NSX, it got water in the taillights and the seals were bad and you know all this kind of stuff. So it's like, okay, did it really cost me less than getting a new car with a sixty thousand mile, hundred thousand mile still, warranty? Though, but still, when something went wrong in the NSX, it was still at its core was still a Honda, right? Yes. Absolutely. When something goes wrong on the Mercedes, it's a fucking Mercedes. And it's a V12 twin turbo Mercedes. It's an AMG so hand-built engine yeah. Yeah. Mercedes. I think you've, you've found the best way to own an AMG, though, is own it through a company that's like, hey, for <laughs> yeah. a story, see yeah. what breaks, we'll pay for it. Like, yeah, that's the exactly. best Short of putting a secondary motor in a Mercedes, there is no more expensive Mercedes to fix than a twin turbo V12 Mercedes. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I have a good I, – I would like to pitch your editor's story. If they want you and I to road trip to Boston, and see what it will do in the salt flats. We should go see what it will see do. See what it does in the salt flats. I'll, I'll run it by him. We'll see what please happens. Please do. Um, tell Mike McGrath. I said pretty please. Um, so man, he is. He was one of the mastheads on that car. Him and Riz oh, would really yeah. love the AMGs, and I was totally on board with them. I, you know, I threw a couple of stupid, you know, Japanese car suggestions. Oh yeah, get a get an unmolested Type R from two thousand one, and they're like, shut up, you know. <laughs> but or you know, get a twin turbo Supra. Shut up, you know. All those have been modified. To right. yeah. you know, death. But I, well, I definitely like this car. It's got Supra would be good though. It'd be Supra interesting if you could be... find an unmolested one. Yeah, but you won't well, find one for twenty five, thirty grand. Yeah, How no, did you find you an find unmolested Grand National though? Because that's the same situation as a uh, Supra. Look for sixteen months. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's basically. Yeah. Now, what do you have for your own personal stable of vehicles? Personal car is just one car, a ninety six Acura Integra, which I got. I was. Uh, the second owner and the original owner was this woman that worked for Honda Corporate uh, oh, in this area down here. And she basically leased the car, then bought it as a lease. And they would come to her without her lifting a finger every three months. And they would take the keys and they would service the car. They would tune it up and they would do whatever it needed every wow. three months and oil change it for the first 135,000 miles of the car. Oh, my wow. God. Wait, how so, many miles are on now? Uh, now it's – I think it's 255. Whoa, wow. Yeah. But I've put two different motors in it. I, I oh. basically the, – the first motor, the um, – it went to almost 200,000 miles with the first motor. But um, the the second – the first motor, I had all these oil leaks and it was 600 bucks to get a new motor from Japan. And it was $1,400 to fix the oil leaks. So I was like, I'll just take the $600 motor from Japan. And is that a, yeah, is that a K so motor awesome. variant? No, B no. series, B eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a lot of people do that K series swap, which is actually really an awesome swap because I think it weighs like K20, seventy. K twenty, right? Yeah, K twenty, K twenty four depends on the top and bottom end. Depends on what you want to do. I, I say that it. I have no idea what K twenty is. Basically, I it's the Civic <laughs> SI motors. You know, the the well, newer not, edition, yeah, newer one, not, not from that year, right. but from newer or like just the base Civic motors. But, but then the second motor I was up on GMR and uh, blew the um, rod bearings. I, and GMR, for anybody listening, is Glendora, Glendora Mountain Road, yeah. And it's, or maybe it was Little Tahunga, but either way, I was I was Canyon, you know, Tujing. Terrible roads, and, don't drive there. Yeah, terrible Stay roads. Stay away. But wait, does your car have an automatic? You know what, though? It does, you know what you and just here's the story like? behind that. Here's the story behind the automatic in my car. So I bought it, I got out of an 88 Fiero GT and into the Integra because the Fiero had no trunk. It was behind the mid-engine and, and two seats. And because Fiero. But actually, that car was pretty fun. The suspension was built by Lotus. I have a engine we will drive. And it was basically the S10 drivetrain from that year, and then they threw it in the back of this car. The <laughs> one year that Fiero got it right, they stopped making them. 88 was the was last the year formula? they made them. Didn't they make a Fiero Formula edition? It was, this was the GT. Okay. Was that the, the 4.3 liter? 
Uh, it was smaller. Oh, it was a three. Three. Oh, it was a three one. The yeah. old GM. Tiny little. But yeah. Basically, I got out of that and into the Integra, and then I had a motorcycle. So the motorcycle was the fun. So the Integra was the leave it automatic, leave it tan interior gotcha. with the original six disc changer and the original in car cell phone. You know that whole awesome. thing that nobody that is growing up today will ever remember. But. I had the motorcycle, and then I got in a terrible motorcycle accident on the 10. Basically, I was in a wheelchair for three months, Jesus. broke my pelvis in three Whoa. places, cracked five ribs, and totaled a brand-new Yamaha that so still had the dealer so plates on So standard motorcycle ownership. Go on. Exactly. Yeah. Standard motorcycle ownership. And then, because I had a fused hip, daily driving an automatic in city traffic was the only way to go. Uh, so I never – but now that I'm – Working at Edmonds, I have, and also I've rehabbed since then. But at the time, you know, I was walking around with a cane for six months. They were still too. They had the technology. Yeah, they so they on did. So, forth. so now I have the the ability to, you know, I'm probably gonna manual swap it and turbo it and all that kind of fun stuff. That'll be good. That'll you be sweet. That'll change the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you know. That and, but it's way. fully, you know, suspension build. It's coilovers and it's got sway bars and strut bars and all that kind of... As long you as know, you keep it in one gear and you exactly, don't try to make it go up and down. Keep it in, in two, in D2 yeah. and just, two you know, and then, blow, and then blow the rod bearings on it, you know, when you're too high in the RPM range. I should but, really let you drive my Civic. I know it's a piece of shit, but oh, I'd I love to get a kick out yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zach's driven it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a fun car. It's, I mean, it's a horrible... Totally. I just had to jump it to get... Get it out of my parking spot to make room for a press car, and I called AAA uh, because no one else, everybody else's works. So my parking lot's empty. I have oh, nothing to yeah. jump from. Yeah. Um, they put they used one of those batteries with the cables that come off of another battery mm-hmm. to jump my battery, and then they had to put another battery on that battery <laughs> to get enough juice get to enough jump power. my battery. That's how dead my battery is, and it's an Optima battery. Oh, that fucker was, just, was dead. It was dead, yeah. Yeah, I haven't driven the car in a month. Okay. Um, two batteries to get my one battery going. It was very impressive. Yeah, I think it had been 10 or 12 weeks since I had actually driven my car, and I oh. took it home yesterday for the first time, and I had to get another car in the fleet to come over and jump it and, and get it running, and then I just left it running and took it out around the block a couple of times. I would I have needed to down. leave my car running for probably a day to yeah. rebuild the battery. So or you like drive it? It's in guest parking. I know, but I have a I have a nicer car outside now. <laughs> you know what? Though over the course of the last couple of years, I've, I've I was never a big Honda guy, but I've come to really appreciate them after having one as a daily. Yeah. Because they're such wonderful cars. If you have to work on them, everything is so well thought out, and everything's plug and play. Every Except for the, the B series oil filter, which is impossible to get to. The K series is the same way, but it's it's so easy to work on. It's endlessly reliable yeah and and also that front wheel drive platform for the integra i mean edmunds did it in 2000 something i don't know 2001 or 2002 maybe even later than that but they took no they took a 2001 type r and put it up against a 2011 civic si and everybody well, loved drive- R was yeah smoked. yeah no the type r won everything yeah it won all the comparison tests, and it was like yeah. that was one of the I best front-wheel drive I chassis my Civic ever made. in its current condition against the current Civic Si, yeah. and I feel like you'll get bigger smiles from my car. Yeah. The car I really love, though. And I, I mean, genuinely the, believe that. The RSX, I still think that's a really good-looking car. Yeah, but it was changed. I forget exactly what the changes were that were made. It was something about the drive-by wire, you know, the throttling. It wasn't, and it was hey, it was, I love those. I still remember those ads where it was like 200 horsepower sound system. Stay.
standard. And they would just show the exhaust as it drove off. Or yeah, you know what's funny? But, Everybody bags on Acura. Um, they actually do have a few hidden gems in their lineup. It's just people have issues with the styling. The company doesn't – it seems fairly directionless at the moment. But that um, – the, the TL – SH all-wheel drive yep. with the six-speed manual is fucking It's a great brilliant. car. The that TL awesome. The TL is good every other generation. Hmm. Yeah, but this specific powertrain combination, because yeah. it's about, it's 300 horsepower, all-wheel drive, manual gearbox, and it and it's an accurate gearbox. So it, by extension, it's a Honda gearbox. Dude, I, I would Their manuals the all day. are fantastic. That'd be great. Oh, it, it'd be it's a wonderful, wonderful car. I believe they, they they use like torque vectoring on that to actually help turn in too, yeah, don't they? SH SH all wheel drive yeah. does have torque vectoring. It's it's a, it's a great system. Um, and you know what? We've we've actually talked about a lot of shit tonight. Uh, it's uh, Travis. You've 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 been nice and talkative with us, so we've <laughs> we've spilled all our beans, and uh, I think we've come to the end of episode forty two for the evening. Uh, I wanted to thank you for being mm-hmm. a guest. Thanks for having me. Chris, thank you for your, your Corvette knowledge this evening. <laughs> and then Zach, thank you for sitting in Blake's seat. You're welcome. <laughs> and, you know, th- thanks for not going poo-poo, Jeff. I didn't go poo-poo. Appreciate I didn't that. even go pee-pee. Um, but on, the, uh, yeah, on that note, we will see you in episode 43. Adios.